Tonight we want to go to the book of Revelation, chapter 20. And we're going to read a few verses from verse 11 of chapter 20 of Revelation. John writing here said, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. And death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one, according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. <laughs> what was that, Olivia? <laughs> I don't think the tape picked that up. But anyway, I think that those, as I said this morning, are probably the most sobering scriptures in the New Testament. They certainly give us cause to think, both saint and sinner alike. What the length and breadth of any high street in Britain today, and you can be guaranteed that every step that you take will be on CCTV. Go into any major store and you can almost be certain that somewhere in a little room watching a monitor, somebody will be spying on you to make sure you're not shoplifting. Go through any airport and you will have to take multiple security checks Sally and I, in the last trip that we did just a few weeks ago, uh, I counted the many security checks we had there and back, and it was six, six times our bags were searched. Six times I had to take my belt off and my coat off and my phone out and all the rest of it, a whole lot of it. Depending which airport you're in, certainly Heathrow, biometric photograph will be taken. Sometimes you may receive a full body scan. If you are going through Malaysia, if you intend to stop in Malaysia as a visitor, as a foreigner, you will be fingerprinted. That's the law they have made. Every text you make, every email you send is screened and logged. And what we're finding out now through whistleblowers, that particularly in America, the National Security Agency is monitoring millions upon untold millions of emails, Twitter messages, and text messages. Recently I read uh, were big brand name TVs that in some of their televisions, 
in people's living rooms. They had deliberately hidden away a little camera that not only beamed back to them, to their headquarters, the programs that you were watching, but you actually watching the programs you were watching. And it caused such a furore when that was found out. They tried to deny it at the start, and then they had to hold their hands up and admit it. And then, of course, it says, but it was for advertising purposes. Not a very comforting thought, is it? Nowadays, our roads are littered with cameras to catch speeders on the unwary traveler. And uh, you see cars parked along the road who has got registration, recognition equipment, software in their cars, uh, little cameras that can pick up your tax disc or lack of it, and on and on it goes. It is reckoned that Great Britain is the most, has the most cameras of any nation on earth. Can you believe that? Not China was bad and Russia was bad. Doesn't hold a candle to Great Britain. And that's a fact. Throughout our lives, we will be numbered. You have a social security number. Your passport has got a number. Your driving license has got a number. Your birth certificate has got a number. Everything is numbered from the cradle to the grave. In fact, when you're in your grave, your grave will be numbered. If all that makes us a little apprehensive, and people are getting very apprehensive, it's a bit disconcerting, isn't it, to think that every moment of the day, one way or another, even with your mobile phone, they can tell wherever you are in the world at any given time within a few meters. That's a scary thought, isn't it? Every time you make a Google request, I was watching on the plane on the way over, they, they talked about Google. And every time you make a Google request, the lengths that they go to to send your request Again, ostensibly supposed to be for advertising, but who knows? Because all over the world, people that you'll never know in your life has known what you have just requested from Google. And so no wonder people are getting apprehensive. The Orwellian society is alive and well, and we're living in it. However, if you think that's scary... And it is. If that makes you a little apprehensive, and it probably does, consider this. God hears every single word that we speak. Jesus said that men would give an account for every idle word that they speak in the day of judgment. God sees every action we take and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books and more than that God knows every thought we think Psalm 94 and 11 the Lord knows the thoughts of man 
Several times in the New Testament it says, and Jesus knew their thoughts. He knew exactly what they were thinking. And not only does God know every thought that you think, every action that you take, not only does he hear every word that we say, but he records it. He marks it down. The celestial bookkeeper marks every single thing. The whole record of our lives is before him at all times. Revelation 20:12 And I saw the dead small and great standing before God and the books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books First of all we must discover who are the dead both small and great The dead that it's referring to here are the unrighteous dead. Every man or woman that has ever lived since Adam to the second resurrection. Every Christ rejecter. Every man that has denied God. Who are spiritually dead and now are forever eternally spiritually dead, will stand before God at the great white throne of judgment. Secondly, what are the books? Well, the setting for this event is the great white throne of judgment. Now, this throne of judgment is quite distinct from the judgment seat of Christ which you and I will stand before. Come with me just for a moment to Romans chapter 14. Verse 10, But why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. No exceptions. Each and every one of us will give an account of himself or herself to God. A little bit further in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds in this foundation with gold and silver and precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, 
and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. And if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So all of our works will be tested. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 9, therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Speaking to believers, he's writing to the Corinthian church. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are well known to God, and I trust are well known in your consciences. The judgment seat of Christ is for believers after the resurrection of the saints. And that is to see if the works done in the body after you get saved is worthy of reward. If it's gold or silver or precious stones. Or if it's haywood or stubble, it will be burned up even though you will be saved, but you will have less reward. Now that is quite distinct, as I said, from the great white throne of judgment, which comes much later, and is for unbelievers, Christ rejectors, those who are spiritually dead and eternally spiritually dead. Old Warren Wearsby said this, he said, In this court there is a judge, but no jury. There is a prosecutor, but no defense. There is a sentence, but there is no appeal. So what are the books? Notice it's in the plural. What are the books? And then there's another book, which is the book of life. Or to be more specific, the Lamb's Book of Life, we'll see in a moment. But what are the, the books? Well, some say that one of the books is the Word of God. And it's placed there to show all men that God had given them light and revelation. So that they are without excuse... It's there. God has spoken. God recorded. And Jesus in John 12, 48 said, The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. And so that's fair enough, isn't it? You can see that there would be a place for the word of God if that is the case if the Word of God is actually one of the books. That would be a strong argument for that case. Or it could just simply be this. The books, plural, meaning that every single human being that ever lived, God has got a book of their whole life written, recorded. Every word, every deed, every thought. The celestial bookkeeper 
has marked it. You know, when you think of us standing at the judgment seat of Christ to see if our deeds is worthy of reward. Things perhaps you have long since forgot that you've done. You did it out of generosity, out of compassion, out of mercy. You moved on in your life, forgot all about it, but God wrote it. It's marked for you for reward. And so it could simply mean that every single person that has ever lived, that will ever live, there's a book that's written with every word, with every deed, with every thought. And against which there can be no argument, no misinterpretation, no regal room, no weasel words. Nobody can spin this. It's there. And it's there in black and white. There'll be no clever barristers to argue a case. No guilty one will get off on a technicality. Doesn't that annoy you? When justice is not served. Shall not the judge of the earth do right? Abraham says. And so for God to be a God of justice, there has to be a great white throne of judgment. For every wrong to be righted, for the scales of justice to be balanced, for every crime to be punished, for there be a punishment to fit the crime, there has to be a great white throne of judgment. For all those untold millions of aborted babies, for all those slaughtered innocents around the world, for all the victims of genocide and ethnic cleansing, for the raped, the abused, the battered, the murdered, the blown up, there has to be a final fair day of reckoning or God is not a just God. Yes, he's a merciful God, but he's a just God. We hate it when we see injustice, don't we? We cry, it's not fair. The guilty has got off scot-free. But no. There's a greater bar. There's a greater size. And they will appear at that. And nothing that was hidden can remain hidden. So who will be the judge upon the great white throne? The same one at the judgment seat of Christ, at the bema, as the Greek says, the raised dais, where Christ sits. And it will be Christ who will sit on this throne. Romans 2 and 16 in the day, Paul says, when God will judge the secrets of man by Jesus Christ. <laughs> Acts 17. Acts 
Acts 17, verse 28. For in him we live and we move and we have our being, as also some of your poets have said, for we are also his offspring. This is Paul speaking to uh, the Greeks about the unknown God. Remember that whole debate he had with them? He says, We ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art or man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. And he has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Who better to judge the world than the one whom the world judged? Jesus Christ. Let me read to you, probably most of you have heard it or know it. Certainly in the past I've read it before. The long silence. At the end of time, billions of people were scattered on a great plain before God's throne. Most shrank back from the brilliant light before them. But some groups near the front talked heatedly, not with cringing shame, but with belligerence. Can God judge us? How can he know anything about suffering? Snapped a pert young brunette. She ripped open the sleeve to reveal the tattooed number from a Nazi concentration camp. We endured terror, beatings, torture, death. In another group, an African-American boy lowered his collar. What about this, he demanded, showing an ugly rope burn, lynched for no crime but being black. In another crowd, a pregnant schoolgirl with sullen eyes. Why should I suffer, she murmured. It wasn't my fault. Far across the plain, there were hundreds of such groups. Each had a complaint against God for the evil and suffering he permitted in this, his world. How lucky God was to live in heaven where it was all sweetness and light, where there was no weeping or fear or hunger or hatred. What did God know of all that man had been forced to endure in this world? For God lives a pretty sheltered life, they said. So each of these groups set forth their leader, chosen because he had suffered the most, a Jew, an African-American, a person from Hiroshima, a horribly deformed Arithic, a thalidomide child, and in the center of the plane they consulted each other. At last they were ready to present their case. It was rather clever. Before God could be qualified to judge, he must endure what they had endured. Their decision was that God should be sentenced to live on earth as a man. Let him be born a Jew. Let the majesty of his birth be doubted. Give him a work so difficult that even his family will think him out of his mind when he tries to do it. Let him be betrayed by his closest friends. Let him face false charges. Let, him be, let it be tried by a prejudiced jury and convicted by a cowardly judge. Let him be tortured. At last, let him see what it's like to be terribly alone. Then let him die. Let him die so that there can be no doubt that he died. Let there be the great host of witnesses to verify it. And as each leader announced his portion of the sentence... There was a long silence. No one uttered another word. No one moved, for suddenly all knew that God had already served his sentence. Now, that's nice as far as it goes, but you must remember, man can never put God in the dock. God's not in trial. Man's in trial. Revelation, not God. Who better to judge the world than the one whom the world has judged? 
Verse 12. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. Verse 15. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Remember Jesus when he sent his disciples forth and they come back and they rejoiced. And they said, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us. In this rejoice not, he said, but rather that your names are written in heaven. (laughs) Your name tonight of your believer is written in heaven. It's recorded in the Lamb's book of life. And that is a wonderful, wonderful thing to know. When the devil comes knocking at your door to mock you, to ridicule you, maybe to laugh at you, say, Mr. Devil, my name's in the Lamb's book of life and you can't take it away. (laughs) And no man can take it away. When the books were opened and read, no one will be able to say, Lord, it's not fair. It's plain for all to see. Christ was not received. The debt was not canceled. The blood didn't cleanse. The account was not settled. There can only be one outcome, guilty as charged. Only the redeemed will have their names written in the book of life. Philippians 4 and 3, Paul said, And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers, listen to it, whose names are in the book of life. (laughs) Revelation 13 and 8. Listen to this. Well, let me read Revelation 21, 27. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles. This is into the New Jerusalem. Nor cause it an abomination or a lie, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. <laughs> See, we're citizens of a heavenly kingdom. Our citizenship is in heaven. We belong to the household of God. And our names are in his book. Revelation 13, 8. All who dwell on the earth shall worship him. That's the beast it's talking about, the Antichrist. All those who dwell on the earth shall worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Revelation 17 and 8. The beast that you saw was and is not and will will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. So God makes a very clear distinction between those whose deeds and actions are in the books but those whose name is in the Lamb's book of life. Yes, he knows every word, every thought, every action of ours. But notice the emphasis. Our names 
are in the book of life. What a joy, what a privilege, what a confidence, what an assurance to know that your name is in the book of life. It has actually named you in that book. There's only one way to avoid the condemnation of the books, and that is we repent of our sins, we plead God's mercy, we renounce sin, and we receive the Savior. That's the only way to stop us being judged by the books and have our name in the book. It's the only way. And then there will come a day in which it will be too late. The court will be in session. The books will be open. The judge will preside upon the throne. And for some, it will come too soon. Their name is not in the book. Farmer decided to challenge the God of Christianity. He had the idea of deliberately working on Sunday, which is traditionally the Christian day of rest and worship. So he's going to shake his fist at the Almighty. So after the September harvest, he wrote to his local newspaper. Here's what he said. I have plowed that field on Sunday. I have sowed the grain on Sunday. I have reaped it on Sunday. And I made a greater profit on that field than any other of my fields. <laughs> the editor commented with this one line. God doesn't settle his accounts in September. <laughs> hmm. And there's going to be a day when the accounts will be settled. And what a day that will be when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ and receive wards for deeds done in the body. Yes, I'm sure there'll be some hay, wood, and stubble that'll be burned up and gone. But please God, it'll be something to reward. But I would rather stand there with just one measly little reward than stand at the great white throne and have the books opened. I know my name wasn't in the book of life. And even so, it says they were judged according to their works. And you can be sure their works fell far, 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 far short of God's glory, of God's righteousness. Couldn't even begin to match it. Only through the blood of the Lamb, only through the finished work of the cross, only through us bowing the knee and pleading for His mercy. God, our name's in the book of life. When you put your head in the pillow tonight, if you have received Christ as your Savior, you can rest easy. My name is in the book of life. If God should come or call at this very moment, be absent from the body, present with the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. Just because your name is in the book. Remember we had that great drama, Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames? Isn't that the most powerful? Do you know that is the most powerful drama that has ever been devised? More people has come to Christ 
through that drama than any other drama there's ever been. And it's been happening for years and years and years, and it's still happening every day all over the world. And whenever the recording angel opens a book and looks for the name, what a relief when your name's in that book. But when it's not in that book, all hope is gone. Too late. Too late. I wish tonight they had, in this church, it had been full of sinners. Because I'm preaching to the converted. But I wish some of the saints tonight who sat and watched television instead of come to church had been here. I'm serious about that. Barring those who are not well. They just couldn't be bothered. And their loved ones is going to lost eternity tonight because their names is not in the book. They need a good spiritual kick up the proverbial. Because <coughs> that's a scary thought, isn't it? And it's true. It's absolutely true. It's Bible. It's going to happen. And I want my loved ones saved. And I, I, I know that you want your loved ones saved. And we do everything we can to pray for them, to reach them whatever way we can to make sure at the end of the day their name's in the book of life. And they'll not stand before that great white throne. Let's pray. Lord, there's men and there's women walking around this town tonight and they're lost. They are completely and utterly lost. And Lord, most of them doesn't even know they're lost. Lord, help us to find a way to reach the lost at any cost. To reach out beyond the four walls of this building and to touch the lives of those who are lost and are fast heading for a lost eternity. Lord, we have read your word tonight and it is absolutely the truth. Lord, cause our hearts to be burdened for family members who are not in Christ yet. Lord, that we will not give up praying. There'll be no rest till we see the one to Christ. Maybe we have witnessed, maybe we have taught, maybe we have preached at them, but Lord, we're going to continue to pray We'll pray for a labor to cross their pathway. Somebody in that university, somebody on that factory floor, somebody in that office, somebody in that school that the Holy Spirit can use to win our family members to Christ. So we thank you for this, Lord. We want to see them saved, washed in the blood of the Lamb, fit and ready for glory. And Lord, only you can do that by your Holy Spirit. So we're going to trust and believe for that. To see our families come in one by one by one. And Lord, when they're all in and the ark door's closed, and the judgment comes, we'll be safe in the ark of the Lord. So we give you thanks for this. In Jesus' precious and most holy name.
Amen. Amen. Amen.